this new guy going to be like? <laughs> I'm going to have to grow a few inches, I think. Um, well, I am happy to be here, thankful to get to meet you all. And it's my first time in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, or Knoxville. We have been to Gatlinburg many years ago, so that's the closest we got to this part, I think. Uh, maybe Jennifer was closer. Were you closer? No. Okay, she's saying, just go on. All right, so <laughs> um, I'm Rick Bell. That's Jennifer, and that's my daughter Mary. We have two sons, uh, Matthew and Ryan, but they're not here. Uh, one's getting married next month, and uh, the other's in college in Texas. And uh, we just want to say hello this morning, and I've got a word from the Lord, I believe, that's going to bless you because it's blessed me. I want to give you something that has really blessed me in my life uh, as I've worked in China, as I've worked in Missouri, Texas, and Ohio, Mississippi. We've been all over the map, it seems. And uh, like I said this morning, sometimes we wake up, we don't know what city we're in. <laughs> but um, wherever we are, we're in the world. And Jesus said, go into all the world. And so we all have a place here. We have uh, the blessing of God's word to put us through and to have something to share with others. And so this morning, if you'll let me, I'd like to share with you from the book of Ephesians. If you'll put that on the screen or turn to it, whatever, I don't know, I didn't tell Bill ahead of time, sorry. Ephesians chapter 1, and if you don't have it, I can just read it and listen closely. Um, I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 16, down to about 20. And this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, and he's giving thanks because he's heard of their faith. And in uh, verse 16, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And it goes on. But uh, in this passage, Paul is praying for the Ephesians, and he's talking about what I call the Ephesians triple in chapter 1. There's the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, and the inheritance of the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. And the interesting thing about this prayer that sometimes I think can get missed is that he's, he's implying through this prayer that these things are already ours. Not that you have to pray for hope in your calling. Not that you have to pray for the riches of glory. Please give me your help in the riches of your glory. Not that you have to pray for power. Lord, I need power today. And we often do that, don't we? We need power. I need power for today. Um, but here, Paul is... Oh, I'm going to have to walk around, I think. Paul is talking about having... Uh, not getting these things from God, but getting the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. So in other words, it's quite possible that you can already have the hope of his calling, riches of his glory, and power in your life. You can have much and not be aware of it. Otherwise, if you were aware of it, you wouldn't need the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or opened. We have a spiritual faith. And so sometimes we get confused. We don't feel things, so we don't believe we've got it. But by faith, that doesn't go by feelings. You have to have a revelation. That's where the word comes in, a revelation. But it's also the spirit of wisdom so that your spiritual heart can be open, your eyes open. And if we only knew, if we could wake up, that's what they call the awakenings in the past. They had awakenings and revivals. They were awakened to what Jesus Christ has done. And our faith rests not in what we can get from God so much as it rests on what he has done for us and what he's already given us. And we, even the, the, the most nominal believer, has treasures untold that if they would just tap into them, they would have more victory in their life, more power in their Christian walk, and more effectiveness and, and blessing in their relationship with God. And so I remember reading or hearing about it. It's been a while, but I always remember this story about a guy that found a declaration of independence at a thrift store, and he bought it for $2.48. That's a pretty good deal. And he hung it up and stuff. But, you know, something got to him as he kept looking at this thing and he thought, you know, this is this doesn't seem like it's just a, a copy. There's there's got to be something about this. And he started to do some research, and he found out that in 1820, President John Adams commissioned 200 official copies of the Declaration of Independence be distributed. And he was like, I wonder about this. And so he did some research and he did some authenticating. He found out that he had just bought one of those 200 official copies that John Adams had commissioned he had something and he bought it for two dollars and 48 cents and when he realized what he had and he got into the network and things he he sold it at an auction for two dollars and fifty cents no uh, <laughs> he sold it for four hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars four hundred seventy eight thousand so uh a reporter got a hold of this story, and the reporter tracked down, you know, where this came. They went to the thrift store, tried to find out who got. They eventually tracked down the guy who donated it to the thrift store, and uh, the guy who donated it to the thrift store, he was good-natured about it, and he said, you know, it was just time to clean out the garage. It was it was hanging up in my workshop, and and the wife told me to get rid of stuff, and so I just got a whole box of stuff, and I just brought it. And he was good-natured about it. He said, I'm glad for the other guy that he got what he got, because if, if not, it would have still been hanging in my gar- garage. And he said, but still, you can't help but feel not very smart. And so, you know, that's what I'm saying. As Christians, we don't want to be feeling not very smart. We want to know what we have. And we have incredible treasures worth much more than some copy of the Declaration of Independence. And so I just want to go briefly through these three treasures today just to, you know, I, we could go through series on each one of them, but the Ephesians triple, the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power. The hope of his calling, if you understand this treasure, it can get you through times of darkness. It can get you through times of trial because we are called uh, to live in hope. The God of peace fill you with all hope, all peace and joy in believing that you may be filled with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
um, we have a hope, whereas the world is not very hopeful. The world is the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we don't walk alone. God is with us. And, and the God, the author of life and eternal life, calls us to walk in hope. And we can because the hope of our calling involves eternal life. It is life. And it's, it's the author of life. And it's eternal life. It's going forever. And we all look to heaven. We say the heaven or the kingdom to come. That's eternal life. But eternal life in Scripture is more than just what's going to come. Eternal life is in the here and now. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it later in heaven. No, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And then there was uh, John 17.3 where Jesus was praying He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what we're talking about here is a relationship that that involves the abundant life of Jesus Christ and the power of God working in our lives so that we don't have to give in to the doom and gloom. We don't have to give in to the despair and the hope of the world because there is no hope there. We have the hope of not only a future, you know, whatever happens now, that can get you through. You know, you can be struggling, but I'm gonna, I have hope of a better time ahead. But God wants us to walk in the relationship with Him now. We can walk in anticipation of good now. Um, we were talking, I was talking with Bill. There's a psalm that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him from them all. You can experience deliverance throughout your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have it easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go just the way you want it all the time. There is suffering. There is trials. There are problems. But you are not alone. You have a God that is with you, that is a God of life, that wants you to have abundance in Him. And He's not struggling, and He's not sick, and He's not uh, anxiety or lonely-driven. He's he's full of everything. And it's ours it's through a relationship, though. And many people miss that because they believe the right things, but they're not in fellowship with God. They're not in relationship with Him. And uh, a, a lot of people's Christian faith is still on the i got to do more side. Um, we talked about China this morning. There was a time I was in Tibet. And in Tibet, I saw people doing all kinds of funny things, all the religious Buddhists there. They were walking around spinning these prayer wheels, and they were mumbling, blah, 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 blah. And then they were falling down and worshiping towards their temple, and they were burning incense. And uh, my host, who was with us, I said, well, you know, you said they don't believe in God here. What are they doing? And it was complicated, but basically what he said is there are many different demon spirits, and they are trying to appease the demon spirits, these little G-gods, so that they might hopefully come back in the next life, you know, better off. You know, if they don't do these things, they're afraid they'll come back as a rat or a dog or something. And, well, some dogs have it good. That might not be so bad. You know, sleep all day and just eat. Um, but, no, you don't want to come back as a dog. But they don't have a certainty because they don't have a Savior. They don't have the right God, for, for one thing. But the hope of our calling is in Jesus. He is a Savior and no other religion, no other faith on this planet has a savior. Everything is I hope so. Even Islam is a very strict religion and it's a hope so. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll get to this place. It's all been 
certain for us, made it certain to us because we have a Savior. And he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for us, Hebrews 7.25. So we have a certainty in Christ. We have a certainty that he will not forsake us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We have a certainty that we can hope for deliverance in this time. We have a certainty that we can have the joy of the Lord being our strength. That's the hope we have. And the world that is threatening us right now, the doom and gloom on the news, hope you're not watching it more than you should more than a few minutes at a time, but uh, they want to snuff out the hope. But we have a certainty. We are safe in Christ and we're blessed in Christ and not everything's going to be easy, but he'll see us through because he's with us. And not only that, we have the resources for our high calling in Jesus. And not just a few resources, but it's the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, the Tibetans, they they were afraid they were going to come back as a dog. We're going to come back as kings. And even now, the Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. And uh, it's better than a rich uncle. You know, a rich uncle left you a bunch. Look at what the Lord has left us. He's left us a whole Bible full of promises of his presence, his help, his strength, everything, his glory. And what's more rich than glory and then take it up a notch. What's more rich than God's glory? You know, people don't really see God's glory. They don't really uh, have a vision of God's glory because it's in, it's in earthen vessels. You know, even Jesus veiled the glory except on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he just went, they saw. Uh, Moses, when he came down from the Mount, he had the glory of God upon him, and his face was shining. He had to put a veil over them because they couldn't handle it. And we have the riches of God's glory. We were actually made for glory. We were made to be glorious. And in fact, here's going to be one that's going to challenge some of you. We're glorious now. You say, I don't feel glorious. What are you talking about? Well, first of all, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. You have the glorious one on the inside. Well, I don't feel it. I don't sense it. It's by, by faith. You believe it. This will change how you carry yourself if you believe. You know, you're not just little you. I'm not just little me. I have the greater is he in me than he that is in the world on the inside of me. And that can help me right there. If it's, it's a change in our thinking. I was talking earlier about changing our thinking. Not trying to get something all the time, but seeing what we've got and trusting God that we have it. Being fit, that's what faith is. It's an exercise of believing in the things that aren't seen, the evidence of things unseen. And there's so much unseen about the Christian life. And we've just kept faith on the, I believe all the right things. I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But uh, I believe he's with me, but then I go outside and act like he's not. It's, it's believing in what's unseen, what the Word says. We go by what the Word says and not by our senses. And we have glory. And in fact... Uh, you know, Paul wrote in Romans 8 that those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. So past tense, if you were called, you've been justified. It's been done. It's the gospel of Jesus. He died for us, rose again, and he justified us. But if you've been justified and you believe, you're glorified. 
And this may really shock you, but you have more glory than Moses had. If I could just read for a second a couple of uh, passages from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Actually, I'd want to read the whole thing, but just for time's sake, just two verses. Uh, Paul said, how will the ministry okay, of the Spirit not be more glorious? He's talking about the ministry of the law. He calls it the ministry of death. It's the old covenant. And he said it was so glorious. How can the ministry of the Spirit or the new covenant be, how can it not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that exceeds. For if what is passing away, what was passing away was glorious, what remains is even more glorious. See, the ministry of the law of Moses, of the condemnation through that old covenant, that was glorious. And there's no argument with that. But that was a glory that was passing away. And that was so glorious that Moses came down from the mount shining and they had to veil his face. They couldn't look at him. And what Paul's saying here is the ministry of righteousness, which is the gospel of righteousness by faith, it's through Jesus. It's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. If you're in on that, you have a greater glory than what Moses had. Well, my face doesn't shine. What are you talking about? And I don't feel glory. I look in the mirror and I say, that's not glory. Well, here's the, the, the difference. The glory that we have is on the inside. The glory Moses had was on the outside. And the glory Moses had was fading away. Think about that. What we have is better than what Moses had, but it's on the inside. Treasures in earthen vessels, they say, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But it's not passing away. In fact, it just becomes more glorious as we grow in the Lord. And it says in Romans 8, 18, that when uh, he, Paul said, I consider not the sufferings of this present time to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's not the glory that we're going to get. It's inside, and it's yet to be revealed. Well, why isn't it revealed now? Can you imagine if it was revealed now that you couldn't drive to Kroger because everybody would be wrecking because they saw the glory upon you, and we couldn't function if they had to put a veil over Moses? But that's just how great a business Christ in you, the hope of glory, is. And, uh, you know, I had a Chinese student who was reading a Bible. She was seeking the Lord. It was an amazing thing. She was so against the Lord. And finally, he touched her, and she started seeking the Lord. And I gave her a Bible, and she was reading the Bible in the school library. And she was like, uh, a guy came in and said, what are you doing? She says, I'm reading Holy Bible. I want to learn about God. And the guy said, put that away. That's not for Chinese. And scared her. And it really threw her off, and she she decided she wasn't going to pursue it at this time. She said, Mr. Bell, I have exams and stuff, and I can't look at this now. And I said, I said don't let him rob you of eternal life. You have to stick with it. She said, I'm, I'm sorry. And uh, a long story short, amazing, but you know, years later we lost touch, and, and years later we got another chance with her, and she came in. She came to know the Lord eventually. But at that time, she was intimidated. 
And, you know, I would teach in Bible schools and we'd have to hide because we didn't want to get caught. And, uh, and I would tell them what I would also tell her, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, they think you're out there. They think you're weird. They think you're crazy. See, they're the ones that have rejected the hope. They're the ones that do, don't have the glory. They're the ones that don't have a future. They have to go down with the ship. And, they're, and you're being intimidated by them, you're not the weird ones, they're the weird ones. If they reject the author of life, they reject the king of kings, the lord of glory and majesty, they've got the problem, not us. And so I would transfer it to here. If you're living for the Lord, and you, you're making a stand for righteousness, you're in the place of glory, and you don't let the world who wants to mock you intimidate you. Because the world has a false glory. It is a fading glory. It is not anything near the glory of God. And so as Christians, we need to stand up and say, I'm, I'm not going with the lesser things. I've got, why would I go with that? You know, I'm a child of the king. And that'll put you through. But the world will try to steal that from you. The world will try to say, nope, you're just an idiot. You're just a, a fundamental. You, you're just a prude. Or you, oh, get with the times. You know, you want to stand for righteousness, get with the times. You hold your ground because the word says we've got more. And this is the way of life. You know, the world doesn't understand that. And, and even the world, you've got to feel sorry for them because the world, if they could really taste and see that the Lord is good, they would not reject him. And the good, the glorious thing is that we have. We've, ta- we've gotten this blessing that we have tapped into what is hidden from most people. But, you know, anybody in their right mind, if they really saw the glory, if they really understood the love of God, they would not reject him. So um, it's something to pity them for. But anyway, you've got a hope to get you through. You've got glory. You've got the resources. You, you don't feel like I'm down because I'm just a worm. You, you feel like I, I've been made something in Jesus Christ. I'm Without him, I'm zero with the rim knocked off. But I'm not without him. Faith says he's with me. I'm with him. Even if I don't sense he's near, I don't say, oh God, where are you? I say, thank you, Lord. Your word says you're here. You never leave me nor forsake me. So that's that's enough to put a bounce in your Christian step. But on top of all that, we have the exceeding greatness of his power working towards us. And later in Ephesians chapter 3, I believe, it says that uh, his power works in us. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power working in us. So power towards us and power working in us. And so many Christians feel helpless and weak because they're seeking power rather than believing that his power is working towards them or his power is working in them. And I like it. You can have a car that's full of gas, but if you think it's empty, you'll never put the key in and try to take it on a spin. It, you need the key of faith to understand you've got the fuel. But if you have the wrong thinking and think, well, no, I feel, just feel so empty right now, then it's like having that vehicle. But we have this power that works towards us. I've had to use this power this last week. You know, daily you have to, sometimes you just feel weak. And accessing the power of God is kind of like, uh, to use a car thing again, is that you have the battery You've got a good working battery, but often it gets short-circuited by unbelief. 
and by feelings. And the thing is to connect to it and to say, you know, this word says God's power is working towards us. And so I'm starting to feel weak, and it could be a daily thing or a weekly thing, but I say, wait a second. He's for me, not against me. And the word says his power is working towards me. And so instead of begging God for power, I say, Lord, I don't understand, I don't feel it right now, but I thank you that your power is working towards me and that I have the power in my life to do what's right and that I'm trusting in that. And sometimes just speaking that instead of speaking the negative, grumbling, complaining, I feel so weak and helpless, you know, we sing a mighty fortress is our God. That is so much better than singing, Lord, we need you. We, we, where are you? Know, come and fill me up. That's like saying, where are you? You're not here. But when you're making a declaration, he's a mighty fortress. I've got power from on high. I've got the greater one in me than he that is in the world. That's where faith is being exercised. And that's where the battery's getting reconnected. Amen? So... His power is greater, you know, uh, duh, his power is greater. But think of this, is that his, his power is greater because it is a power of life and not death. We're seeing a war devastate people right now. They think that's a show of power by destroying things and destroying people. Let me tell you, you don't have to be that great to, to have that kind of power. A little kid can destroy stuff, step on a plant and destroy it. It doesn't take much power to destroy. But look how much power it takes to create life. Look how much power it takes to change a sinful nature and turn it into the righteousness of God. Look at the power that uh, speaks a word that encourages rather than tears. It's so easy. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's the biggest lie in the world. Words destroy. Death and life are in the power of tongue. power of the tongue. And people destroy people with words all the time. But think of the power that creates life, brings encouragement, and builds up. And it just keeps going. The, God, the greatness of God's power is that it is life-giving and that it doesn't destroy. And it has already uh, put you through. It will put you through anything, God's power. And you say, well, I didn't feel powerful back then. And I, why, why didn't he help me? Why did he let this happen? All this stuff. Well, again, sometimes it's because we don't know how to walk in faith we're not, or maybe we're in sin or whatever. You can't be that way. You've got to be in relationship with God. But if you fail, if you're in sin, there's always repentance. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the grace of God. Oh, I can't, though. I just messed up too much. That's not faith. Faith is, that's what the blood of Jesus was shed for. It's mine. And rather than, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, just... It becomes, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And that brings the power of forgiveness. That brings the power of getting you back on track. You are forgiven in Christ. Accept it. It's like being at a restaurant. He paid the bill. Why do you keep trying to pay for the meal? He paid it already. And so that gives you some power in your wallet, right? So it's the, that is the exceeding greatness of God's power. It is, and it has... It may not, you may not have experienced it. You may have a hard time experiencing it practically. But let me tell you, the exceeding greatness of his power has pulled you through to this point. There are so much greater powers out there, not greater than God's, but there are so many powers greater than you that have come against you, that come against us. There are powers that come against us daily. Spiritual powers, principalities, powers, demonic things, our own flesh, the world, poor choice, all the other people... And God has brought you through it all. 
And you may not realize it sometimes, but he has kept you and protected you from powers that you would otherwise would have been destroyed by now. But none of you is destroyed. You're still here. You might be on the verge of feeling that way, but you're never destroyed as long as you're still under heaven and above ground, right? So that is the power that you have working towards you, and it's a power of love. Like I said, love brings life. The power that held Jesus on the cross, Jesus could have come down from the cross, and they they mocked him, and they said, if you're the Son of God, come down. Prove it. Save yourself. And... You know, any one of us probably would have felt like, all right, I'll show you something. That's, there's a line that gets crossed, and okay, I've had enough, and boom. You want to see who I am? Thank God it wasn't us on the cross, right? Because, we, you know, he went to the very end with the joy set before him. He endured that cross, and he put up with all that he didn't deserve so that we who didn't deserve anything might get it all. It was love. It was the power of love. And it's a greater love than human love because human love can only go so far. And boom, I've had it. You couldn't go farther than what they pushed on Jesus because he didn't deserve anything. And yet, when they mocked him and told him to come down, and he saw you and me in the future, and he saw how ugly we were, really, and what we did, and our attitudes that stunk, and and the sins we committed... And yet he, through love, said, I'll stay. Man, that's good. He, he, he is awesome. And then to over-awesome that, the great, exceeding greatness of his power is that he rose from the dead. And this is where I want to wrap it up, because this is power, but it's not just power. But what Ephesians says is that this same power that raised Jesus from the dead, this is exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. This is the same power working towards us is the power that raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at the throne, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the age to come, uh, not only now, but in the age to come. Again, there it is. It's... You know, we might word this, oh, you know, uh, this is what we have in the age to come. But but not only that, it's now. But Paul's saying, you should buy, be established in this. It's all for now, and it's in the age to come. See, we we tend to think the other way. I, it's all coming then. And Paul's saying, it'll also be then, but it's now. You get what I'm saying? We You know, we, we could acknowledge it's now, but it's more like for then. But anyway... Uh, you know, what he lift Jesus up, that power lifted him above principalities, powers, dominions, might, strength, and anything left over, which is any name that you can name. You can't get more powerful than the resurrection. And that's the same power working towards us. And it's already raised us spiritually. We are seated with him in heavenly places, it says in the next chapter, Ephesians 2, 6. But it's going to happen physically. But I didn't want to stay here because this isn't just the exceeding greatness of the power, I believe. You can apply this to the Ephesians triple, every part of it. What is the hope of our calling? It's the resurrection, spiritually now and physically later. What is the riches of our glory and the inheritance of the saints? What is the riches of the glory? It's in the resurrection. 
It's been purchased in resurrection. And by the way, that his inheritance in the saints, it can work both ways. He, his inheritance could be us to him. He gets something out of us. He gets the master uh, artist glory. You know, I turned this sinner into a Christian. I turned this person. I got this person through this. I believe he has some inheritance in us as well. But I like to look at it as, you know, what's our inheritance in him? But it's all the, the resurrection is what accomplishes it. And that's our glory. And that's the power. Everything, any power we have in life is because of the resurrection. This is what separates us from everyone. All faiths, all religions, all philosophies, no one has a savior or a resurrected savior. And no one has the promise of that affecting their lives now, in this time and in the time to come. That is the blessing of the gospel. That is what God has purchased for us. And even if we can get a, a little bit from this, it's I, we can't do justice to it just through the preaching or the words or something. It's something that we need to uh, look into the rest of our lives to let it affect us, to be in that word, to be in relationship. It's going to be eternity to really plunge, plunge into the depths and the realities of these things. But we get to, to start now. And that's why I say read your Bible, pray and things. It's not because it's a, I got to do this, I got to do this. I want, I want to see, I want to grow closer. I want to be empowered. I want to tap into all that God has for me. And then when we do that, then we can't help but want to share it and give it to others. Because it's like, you know, you, you have a great time at a restaurant. This is awesome. And you go out and you say, have you tried this restaurant? This is so good. You can't keep quiet. You ought to try that burger. Right? But it's the same thing. When we get touched, we can't help but want to touch others. And that empowers us. So, the resurrection of Jesus. That's a good one to lead into Easter with, I guess. But I don't know if I'm here on Easter or not. But uh, this is a pre-Easter. Maybe get you wedded for that. And so, uh, I hope you have a good week. To, and uh, thanks for having us today. I don't know how to close it. I just feel like I've run out. So, uh <laughs> But it's been a blessing to be with you this morning. Look forward to talking with you individually and things during pizza. We love pizza too. So um, maybe if I could just close in prayer and then I guess Eric will give up. Lord, we thank you for your we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessing of your love and what you've done for us in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the hope we have, and we thank you that uh you have great plans for us in spite of what the world spits and throws in our face. We thank you that we have a hope and the glory and the power to get through these days. And we just thank you for the abundance you have for us in Christ. Help us to grow in our relationship with you that we may walk in the victory you would have us walk in. Lead us in that triumphal procession that Paul writes about in Corinthians. And, and uh, we just pray blessings on this church as they search and as they seek your will for what's next just bring clarity and provision for them in jesus name and uh, just bless everyone here amen